Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we finish up our time here in the land of a thousand starborn, where giant apocalypse engines and a living sun inhabit this flat, disc-like, eye-like world. Uh, as always, I highly suggest that you go back and listen to the first part of the series because, boy, you'd be pretty lost if you just came into this. Uh, we want to thank Matt N. for suggesting this world. As always, a big thank you, especially for newer prompts. And if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click on the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, you can go to our Twitter, at Let's World Build. If you want to come join us on Discord and chat about world building, if you want to come talk Flat Earth, all that good stuff, you can go ahead and click on the link in the description and come chat with us. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous or you just want access to our sweet, sweet patron-only episodes, you can go to our Patreon and give us money there. Now, enough with the shilling. Back to the show. Last we left off, we had a twist, which was, quote-unquote, it is self-aware. So, Courtney, why don't you start us off? What is self-aware? Yeah, I went with uh, the sun that's in the center, which is some sort of being that had been created. And um, my take on the twist was that it is knowingly bringing the discarded stars closer because it's lonely and it just wants friends to hang out with. I, I kind of like feel almost felt the same way in that giving it some sort of childlike intelligence or sentiment yeah. seems to give the color to the setting, which I think is neat. Agreed. I, I also like the idea that it is, um, you know, it's very understandable. It is motivation that it understands that we can all understand, you know, that sense of loneliness to some giant divine star being. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Initially, I was thinking of like other ways to take it in, but. Um, I liked the the simplicity of having that with the sun. Yeah, I, I, I went a little different direction with it. Uh, and I think that my kind of reconciliation still works with what we've got going. Because I decided that the it in this case is not in fact the sun. It is in fact the magic or the divine essence itself that kind of seeps throughout the world. Mm. Um, so the emanations of this living star are, are are essentially magic and they create and instill consciousness in everything that they touch. Uh, what this means is that the sun is, like you said, Courtney, intentionally willing consciousness onto these, you know, the, the, the kind of cast off stars that we had in the previous episode. But more than that, it's also instilling moments and brief glimpses of consciousness to inanimate objects. Mm -hmm. And the way that I'm also kind of reconciling that with humans or, or whatever humanoid thing that we have going on is that's basically how they interact with magic and how they control magic in this setting. Um, the reason that I like this aspect and this kind of concept is because like this thing, like 
the, the magic itself or, or what we can consider it magic has a will that is completely alien. Like it's basically an energy being that we can interpret however we want. And there's, there's a lot that we can play with in this particular way. Some many chlorines. <laughs> no, no, not, not many chlorines because it's, it's, it's something different than that. It's like literal energy that, has a grander will and a specific design. Like it has a motivation that we just don't and can't comprehend. So like the will. Sounds like Metaclorians to me. <laughs> Wait, the will? What's the will? The wills from George Lucas's original concept um, uh, proceed or uh, proceeding after uh, his concept of the Metaclorians. Wait, what, what was his I, idea I there? do know what you're talking about. And it <laughs> I don't. Me. I don't. And I'm still going to say yes, Daniel. So yes. <laughs> I like it though. The Wills, W H I L L S, um, apparently are, and I'm going to get this wrong because I don't remember the exact specifics, but these like tiny beings that are like somehow like in concert with or creating the force. I don't remember what it was. It was something really weird. There's like a thing called the Book of the Wills. I think it actually appears in the sequels, unfortunately. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But. To your to your actual concept though, I do like. <laughs> yes, yes, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so speaking of Daniel, how how did you bring prequel energy to this particular <laughs> setting? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I I kind of was completely along the lines with you guys were um, giving like the sun some kind of intelligence that just means seemed obvious. Like we have this, and we also mm-hmm. talked about it being a child. Um, the only other thing I thought of too was like I was thinking about the things that have been cast off, like that are frozen, and I thought maybe the um, the machines that have come in carry some remnant of their intellect as well. So, like you know, imagining when these machines come in and are attacking, like there's whispers that come out of them people can hear because it's carrying a fragment of of whatever memories are in the frozen god things out hmm. out of rim. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean. In in my kind of reconciliation, that's also an invocation of magic, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like it is it is awakening the consciousness within these things and being like, hey, remember what you were, remember what you are. I mean, that could be a cool way to to make the villain the villains more complex because if those frozen things and the machines that are connected to them um, are all part of the same force, right? That you're they're describing, then they're not really evil. They're they're all mm. part of the same like sense and consciousness. Just that theirs is frozen, cast off. Yeah, kind of, that that's kind of what I was going for. Is that you know like this this will as as we're going to call it is kind of like instilling consciousness within them. It's, it, it's doing it on purpose and it has a reason to instill within them this kind of need and desire to move and, and perhaps destroy. Although I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that's connected necessarily. Yeah. And I like the idea too, Daniel, that you mentioned about like their memories resurfacing in some way. I'm not mm-hmm. sure like what, what form that takes exactly, but it also gives them, like a further level of sadness if they start remembering like, oh, when I used to get played with by this God before he threw me out and now I'm now I'm out here alone on the outskirts of this world. Oh, that's cool because then like their anger is more to do with their loneliness and wanting to be reconnected with the sun yeah. or with civilization. And it can make the conflict when it's revealed what's actually going on, like there's more of a hopeful solution to this, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. unfreezing them, awakening them is actually the way to end the conflict. 
Yeah, it's just a matter of like figuring out how to do that without having civilization get completely destroyed. In the yes. <laughs> so, so what you're suggesting is that we should harness the will of these giant cast off toys, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Understood. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I didn't get it too wrong. So it says Star Wars creator George Lucas intended the Wills, W H I L L S, to be a microscopic single celled life forms who are essentially God. <laughs> they maintain a symbiotic relationship with the midichlorians. Wait, so what are the midichlorians then? I guess they're like aphids, but enforced. <laughs> they're, they're bugs. It's always yeah, aphids. Like, they're, they're bacteria. The Wills, it seems like, control the force, and the okay. midichlorians are just like. I guess shit floating in your blood. <laughs> yeah, there's a Use reason the midichlorians basically died from the canon after they yeah. were initially introduced because it's like, George, this makes no fucking sense. And also it's a bad idea. Yeah. He's like, oh, guys, I'm just going to add it anyway. It's really cool. It seems like they're supposed to be like, you ever, if you ever play the, uh, what's the one zombie game that wasn't Resident Evil, but it was similar and it had like, um, these women who had, I guess it was like, what's the cells in your, the, the organelles in your cells. Okay, are you're trying to talk about Spam. Parasite Eve. Yes, that's it. My, mitochondria. And it's not a zombie game, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So the mitochondria in that story, like, were somehow essential, right? Because they're carried between generations of females. Or well, whatever. they're the the powerhouses of the cells. Obviously. Yeah. So I think the midichlorians are like George Lucas's weird ass version of that. It sounds like you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, tangent. (laughs) No, I'm I'm all for a good tangent, frankly. Yes, yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Um okay. So we've we've kind of settled the the twist fairly easily here, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. We're we're all pretty much in alignment. Great. Okay, cool. Next, we've got to move on to the factions. Uh where do we want to start with the factions? Daniel, why don't you, you know what? You're on a roll with your Star Wars talk today. <laughs> yes. So why don't you hit us with your faction first? Are they legally distinct Jedi Knights? Oh, well, I think we did. Actually, we did that setting, didn't we? We did that with um, Dingo Doodles. Yeah, and there were not lightsabers in the uh, City of a Thousand Sacrifices as well. That's true. They were <laughs> Look, Look, guys, we steal from Star Wars Practically every episode, okay, <laughs> in one way or the other, and that and that doesn't mean that we're thieves. It just means that we're creatives, and that's totally yes. fine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. God, I was just looking at this paragraph. It's a fucking stupid description of <laughs> Star Wars crap. Daniel, I need you to focus. I need you to focus. This is so dumb. And not on Star Wars. <laughs> no. I'm just like reading the other sentence. I'm like, God, what? Well, why? All right. So, so I had um, actually kind of goes along with the child son thing. No, I don't. I don't know if this should encompass all the peoples of this realm, but my feeling was I wanted to have um, either a single race or this be the basis for others. Um, to be more cartoonish, um, the creatures themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking like non-human sort of geometric people, like kind of like um, the Goombas and Mario or the Pikmin. You know, <laughs> I like, really thought you were going to try and give us Gungans and I was going to be like, oh, God, God, oh my God. Gungans. No, thank you. No, because, <laughs> no, you know, like they're like they're like weird looking and mushroom people or plant people. And I thought that would pair with the sun being a sun. And I'm thinking, like, they have, you know, naturally really great strength um, because of the gravity shifting, separate from their gravity powers, because that would be the mages, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, maybe when they're 
connected to the earth, like when the, the islands go back to the earth, they can like root and photosynthesize more strongly, I guess. I don't remember if it's up or down, who knows. Um, so I'm just thinking giving them plant-like qualities, making them cuter, which would mm-hmm. give the setting more of a feeling, more of a, a genre, I guess. Um, so it's, it's not really a faction so much as a flavor <laughs> for um, potentially all the races in this realm. No, I, I really like that, actually. And it kind of gives me this mental image of like the world as a giant thing of like craft paper that the, the god and the sun have been like doodling oh, all over yeah. with crayons and stuff. Like Katamari Damachi. Is that that what game got Damachi? Katamari, yeah. Yeah. I Katamari is amazing. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, unsurprisingly, a metaphor for capitalism. <laughs> oh, really? Tell us, please. Uh, what do you mean? Oh, the rolling up of the. You're literally game. rolling oh, right. everything up, and the person who you're doing it for is never satisfied. So you <laughs> roll and roll, and it's more and more, and you just try and create uh, the biggest thing possible, and it's never enough until you literally roll up the entire world uh-huh. yes it is mm-hmm. it is a very blatant metaphor for capitalism i also saw like freudian implications with that one because you can never please the parent you know in that one but isn't mm-hmm. that you know what i'm sure there's a little bit of that too yeah mm-hmm. but i mean it, when you when you kind of recontextualize it as daddy capitalism i think it makes <laughs> a lot of sense uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So, so I love, I love this kind of like Yoshi's Woolly World. I was just thinking that too. Yeah, yeah like Adorable style game. of like person. Uh, it does add a little bit of cuteness to it, which I appreciate, uh, especially when maybe in perhaps harsh contrast, these apocalypse machines are, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, they're, they're made of like hard edged metal type mm-hmm. thing, you know, or like mm-hmm. they they take on a more spiky appearance that might help as well. Yeah. I think that would be good. Cause it'd be a good contrast and they could be scarier looking, um, you know, and maybe like, maybe it's a deliberate clash of styles because mm, then you yeah. could have, yeah, I, I was just watching the terrible movie. Um, uh, with Dr. Strange one, just a disaster of a movie, but I was watching <laughs> it and there's one part where they're like falling between universes and one universe that like turn into paint and another universe is like, diamonds everywhere i could imagine there being like a literal genre disconnect we're not genre disconnect stylistic disconnect mm-hmm. between rel between those two types of things where the people are and the and the machines come from i i like that concept as well because it there's a clear delineation between the divine and like the mortal yeah mm-hmm. like maybe, yeah. maybe maybe the the creatures are more drawn out like courtney was saying like more more um artistic and then the sun the realm of the sun and the realm of the exterior is actually very realistic and Mm. the collision of those two is really what's causing this chaos oh yeah so as those machines are wandering through it maybe it's not that they're like physically ripping stuff apart it's just that they're like the style is shifting and making them grow up yeah, uh, aw. No, aww. no, I hate that. No, God. Aww. I love it. That's so sad. <laughs> no, that's Maybe good. the ones in the exterior are more like adults. And they're the jaded story teenagers. About, yeah, it's like a story about like coming coming to, um, what do you call it? Um, I'm all the words today. What's what's the thing? Coming coming of age? That's the coming thing. of age, but also it's like. all the vodka this morning. <laughs> <laughs> what's, it called? what's it also called? It's like a Roman's building or something like that. <laughs> wait what <laughs> Build, buildings roman thank, thank you buildings yeah. roman. i just had it oh. reversed okay yeah, okay. yeah. No, tell us this term 
It's it's literally just coming of age tale. Yeah. Oh, like it's just a fancy way to say it. It's yeah. just the oh. fancy term for it. I haven't yeah. heard of that one. I can Google that. Yeah. Um, that that's what my master's degree is getting me, the ability to tell you what a building's room on is, even though <laughs> I don't know what it's called. <laughs> you got it. It was close. Never a building's thank, room thank you. Yeah. How do you spell it? B-I-L-D-U-N-G-S-R-O-M-A-N. Oh, it's a it's the German word, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. A novel dealing with one's formative years or spiritual education. Interesting. Like I said, it's a fucking coming of age tale. It's yeah. basically the same shit. Yeah, and I do I do like that idea for this setting. It's like almost like balancing coming of age, but also still trying to keep that childlike imagination, not becoming this like jaded, cold entity. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on, hold on, because now when we bring this up, we're also talking about literal burnout as well, Ooh, uh, because yeah. we have a fucking son here. And if we're talking about buildings, Roman, and if we're talking about like coming of age tales, like the very real and, and hard theme that we can deal with is literal burnout in this regard, I think, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in regards to creativity. Yeah. I've never dealt with that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Courtney, we've, we've definitely done some some episodes of the podcast where it's like, ooh, we're, we're skirting oh, I, that line. I, I know. Like really burnt out. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's lots of there, I feel like there's lots of themes you could play with given mm-hmm. the kind of the larger genre of putting this in. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and and I don't know how I can reconcile my faction with this new shift, but I'm gonna try and I think that it can work. It's just that aesthetically they're I, I find them to be very different uh from mm-hmm. what I want. Um but I had this idea that there is a, a massive organization called the sun chasers and you know, they're, they're uh, very well organized. There's a bunch of nerds who plan stuff out. There's researchers, there's architects, and then there's the crazy batshit daredevils that are kind of the most important part of it. So the, the whole concept is at night when the creatures or the, the cast offs are supposed to be the apocalypse mm-hmm. engines are supposed to be off. There is this group of people who uh, get close to one of these machines with a sun. Like they basically capture a part of the sun and store it. It's like kind of like lightning in a bottle. Uh, and they use it to lure some of these creatures uh, in certain directions. And what this does is you're literally being chased by a giant apocalypse engine so, like, that's kind of, like, fun and, and interesting and terrifying. Uh, but it's also, like, there's a way that they're trying to actively slow down this apocalypse from happening. And in some cases, it's about, you know, like, okay, we need to angle this monster this way so it doesn't wipe out this town that really can't be moved. And in other cases, maybe they're trying to be more clever about it, like, well, this, if we move this one and this fast one and, and, you know, like leave them so they're about to collide into each other, maybe something good can come of that. You know, like that's kind of, but, but again, going back to like the actiony part of it, I'm imagining them just being like, okay, you've got to run because this thing is fast and it will catch you and you will die. <laughs> yeah. I like that idea a lot. Like brings to mind monster hunter kind of vibes. You've got oh, these yeah. crazy daredevil warriors running around with bits of sun in their backpacks and 
try to lure things away. I like yeah, I, I also had it like we didn't really nail down a level of tech in this world yet. I had it in my mind that they're like riding on like motorcycles or like dune buggies. <laughs> yeah. So like there's a Mad Max vibe yes. to it as well. Yeah. I can totally see that working too with the new feel only because for one, it's wacky, but, but also it makes you think of, you know, kind of the, the animal feel of, of like Star Fox, you know, plus technology. So you mm-hmm. can have these mm-hmm. people with crazy technology and they still kind of goofy feeling um, because they've got this anthropomorphized um, style to it. Uh, yeah, definitely. But in this case, they're like funguses, I guess, or whatever they are. <laughs> you know? Well, you Turnips. said Goombas, but I'm definitely yeah. picturing them more as like Toad and Toadette. Yeah, style. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Is is Toad a Goomba? Like, I was trying to Google this, and I couldn't get a clear answer. No, Toad is not a Goomba. Like, it seems like th- there's a race of fungi people, and the Goombas are one of them. But I don't know if Toad is just like another part under that umbrella so so the way in the original i don't know if the lore has been updated but in the original like old school mario bros style manual uh basically there was a curse that was put on the entire world and all the regular people were turned into not just goombas but also blocks and trees and clouds, which is why almost everything in the Mario universe has like weird faces on them. So like the trees, so when you open the blocks and destroy them, you're actually people. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) like, it's pretty fucking dark. Um, And then I think it was pretty like early on, like dropped entirely, you know? Oh, I see. Yeah. But for, but I think that there is a big difference between Goombas and uh, Toad. You know what? Listeners can tell us what the difference is. You can come to our Discord. If it's the only thing that you type to us, let us know the difference between uh, uh, Goombas and uh, Toad. Yes, please. Wow. Please educate us. Yes. Wow. Um, cool. Oh, anyway, yeah. Okay. Yeah, th- there's also this idea that I had in mind because now, now that we've we've kind of sh- we're shifting and we're dealing with like new themes and stuff like that, I see these people as an expression of that kind of youthful daredevil, like mm-hmm. almost suicidal levels of like stupidity in that way because you just think that you're invincible, right? When you're younger, yeah. So effectively, like they're toddlers running around doing doing things that would absolutely just get them killed just because it's fun and they do it and they do die like there's no getting around it like you will get atomized by these apocalypse engines i like it and and i i think i don't want to lose um sight too of the idea that they're stealing hunks of the sun yeah that seems very difficult to get to that place yeah you know well, I, I think it's more like they just harness it. Like, because we're going in a more cartoony vibe, I can kind of almost see it as like they're, they're catch they're, they're like basically holding up a big glass jar oh, and like storing it that way. Like, if we're oh, so they're like cartoony. charging stuff, I, they're not going yeah. literally to the sun and pulling hunks out of it. I Correct. Guess. They've yeah. got like okay. a really, really long net that they use to capture the rays <laughs> of the sun. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but do we. Is the sun up when the, the islands go up? That's when the sun is up. Yeah. Like they, that's and right. then when it goes down, they go down. So mm-hmm. maybe like when I was talking with with them being photosynthesizing, when the sun is up, everybody goes out and gets 
sunlight and gets photosynthesized. Maybe that's when they set up their little helium balloons of charging <laughs> stations to charge their little orbs and bring them down. I don't even think you need the helium balloons because the gravity is so out of whack. Like you basically just ride a mountain and then it's like, cool, you know, or whatever orb charges. Yeah. I imagine some kind of vessel holds the light, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. backpacks. And yeah, I could see like a team of gravity mages like carefully mm-hmm. balancing one of them towards the sun to grab the, the light that they need and pulling them back. Makes me think of the um, beryllium sphere in like, Galaxy Quest, but oh, the yeah. orb that you're harnessing light from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have never seen Galaxy Quest. I cannot contribute to this in any but way. But it's, it's, <gasps> it's legitimately fantastic. excellent. It's better than Picard and any of the new Star Trek series created. Wait, I thought there was that one good series on Star Trek. Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, like the out, outer reaches or something like that. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you talking about? about the new one that features the captain that was in one episode in the pilot? I know he looks handsome. Horizon. That's all I know. He's got I'm like sure. silver hair and he's handsome. I haven't watched it, so I can't confirm that it is garbage, but I'm confirming that it is garbage. Is that the Discovery one? Or no, Discovery comes after Discovery. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's different. It's different. I'm all right, well, out of the loop. Look, Daniel, that's your homework. I'll watch it. I'll watch it and come back. <laughs> yeah, that that's your homework. You gotta watch some Star Trek and oh. come back so you can rage God, about no. it. It makes you think, you know, the RLM guys, like the Red Letter Media guys, when they had to watch um, Picard, like they're still emotionally scarred from it. And this is what you're going to make me do. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's correct. I can't believe how bad Picard is. It's so ridiculous. It's a it's a defeat. They really achieve something with how shitty it is. Wow. It's true. Wow. It's true. Um, anyway, back, back to the episode, I guess. Um, so where where were we? We were talking about. Oh, Daniel has to go and watch the new Star Trek, and Mm -hmm. uh, Courtney has to tell us your faction. All right. Uh, Yes, it's going to be interesting to fit in in terms of the new kind of vibe that we're going for. Um, Yeah, how can we get blood sacrifice from these cute (laughs) cartoon things? Yeah, Technically, no blood sacrifice in this, but... We'll see. Okay, sap, I guess, because they're plant creatures. (laughs) Whatever, whatever, like, justification you want to give it, Courtney. Mm -hmm. Um, So at first I had a faction that was pretty straightforward, like a nomadic group that used gravity. But then I got to thinking about our discussions around magic last episode. Um, We'd had this idea for two types of magic based on the sun's day-night cycle. And I wanted to go back to that because we hadn't really solidified it. Um, My thought was that if gravity magic is active during the day, what if during the night it was based on time control? Like, in a way, the sun's presence creates a sense of order during the day, and when it's gone, it's possible to, like, just do weird shit with time dilation. Um, And then maybe as you go farther from the sun out towards where those discarded star beings are at, like, time itself gets really, really strange, and there are animals that can naturally manipulate time. So to get to my actual faction, uh, they're called the Time Eaters. And the name comes from, um, it's been a while since I referenced this show, but in season three of Legion, there are creatures also called Time Eaters that manipulate time. And it's like a really cool and disturbing effect. Um, So my group here is obsessed with time. Like there are a collection of mages who have heavily focused their energy on studying time magic Um, supplemented by like actually consuming the flesh of those weird time dilation animals 
I guess that's like kind of blood sacrifice. <laughs> they're they're viewed by society at large as outcasts, like people who have gone way too far with a really dangerous power. Um, they can wither away crops, like seemingly teleport, cause wounds to reappear on people, all kinds of things. And on the one hand, some of them likely want the sun to just die out completely, so they're always at max power. On the other hand, they could also be key to pushing back the cast-off Starborn that are moving towards the center. I love that. And I also I love the concept of um, the, the possibility that being frozen really has to do with time, not mm, like, yeah. ice, like further out, which I think makes perfect sense. Yeah, and it works well with your idea of like bringing in those memories from the past, too. Oh, right. Like maybe the grip on time is being loosened as it as it gets exposed to the sun's rays. And it also gives you a secondary magic too, right? Like mm, so you've got mm. gravity and time. Yeah. Well, remember that they're both the same sides or they're the same coin, right? Mm. So it's it's not as though they're two separate opposing forces. They're actually the same thing, just wielded at different times. Right. It gives you like two flavors to work with. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's kind of like um, when you have like a soft serve ice cream, when you get the swirl, that's basically what we're dealing with here. <laughs> I mean, what's also cool is that from at least from even though this setting doesn't have any interest in science, like gravity and time are part of the same thing in the sense that they affect mm-hmm. the same thing. And they're, mm-hmm. so there you go. And I mean, we can bring it back to the singular will of the magic as well. So. Again, it will somehow become even more hard science than the non-science we were dealing with. So it's good. You can also think about it metaphorically. Like if this is kind of cheesy, but like gravity is the weight of the situation. And then time, you know, has to do with memory and feeling and emotion. You can like use those like metaphorically in the setting if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Again, metaphor for like coming of age. It's all, it's literally Mm -hmm. all happening Mm -hmm. for sure. All right. So. I like the fact that we've kind of dealt with like time and gravity. I love that. I love the factions. I I get a much clearer sense of the world now. Um, We're early. Like now we got to figure out a main quest line here. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's obviously that we we've got to do like a coming of age story here. So how can we incorporate all that together? Hmm. I'm open to rolling dice. If, uh, if none of you have ideas. I am too. I think you would want to start small. So we haven't mm-hmm. talked about actual characters. And so yeah. I imagine we want to invent a few characters or a character who has a need and then tie that to the larger cosmic lattice that we've created. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that so far we, we really only have like two factions to work with that we can draw characters from. Right. So I think it makes sense that in some way we put them at odds with one another. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then, and then maybe you can find a way to reconcile them. There's in the same way we have the two cosmic forces that are opposed, but are trying to have a need to reconcile. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Or it could be like they're forced to work together at some point or well, two characters are anyway. Yeah. I, I think so. So let's, let's give ourselves a little reminder. So the sun chasers are active at night, which is also when, you know, your kind of time eaters are active as well, or most active as well, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that works in terms of creating conflict because they're both trying to do things at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. They seem to have innately different, I mean, at least your guys seem to have more of a renegade feel to them too. So 
but the time eaters are also uh, outcasts, right? Yeah, very much so. So maybe their ambitions aren't necessarily at odds because they both seem to be pushed out of society in a sense. Uh, I, I, I'm going to push back on that because the sun, the, the sun chasers that I had in mind are like part of a massive organization that is like deeply embedded it into the society as is, because it's like their job is to save cities and save countries from the apocalypse engines. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. Cause basically you described them. It seemed like they were kind of daredevils that people would not necessarily. Those, those are basically the, the field worker. Like those are the field uh, agents. Those are the people who are like, I'm putting myself in insane risk, but they're also getting orders from on high to do that. So they have sentiment is what you mean is that the daredevil is sentiment rather than the way they operate. Right. Exactly. Okay. So then, so then it would seem that they would, would be at odds because they, the the mm-hmm. time people are doing things as outcasts that isn't the way society likes, you know, because of they don't really understand them. Whereas these, um, not renegades, but these these uh, sudden stealer types, like they are authorized in a sense by society to protect it. Yes, but also like a reminder that they're literally putting their lives on the line to do this type of shit. So it's not like they're fucking cops. You know, it's not like they're like, oh, they're good guys. It's like, no, you're they're, they're more like you got to be a little crazy to do that part of the job, you know? Well, I'm, I'm asking what's the perspective of the society to them, right? So, like, how do people view them? Do they view them as a positive thing that helps the world? Whereas we know they don't like the time guys because they're mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> I, I like to think that they look at the sun chasers more in a way that is like, we don't really know what they do in the field, but we know that they do good and therefore we like that. Yeah. So then in a way, like they can be valorized. Like maybe they're not, guys, it seems like they're not regarded as cops, right? Because it doesn't seem like they operate on the streets helping people. They, they do big, they're kind of like superheroes, it sounds like. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily classify them that way, but I'm sure that society might deify them in that way. Or like they're almost like um, dragon slayers. In a way, okay. like Heroes. they're doing good by like wiping out a threat or moving a threat away. But it's obviously a very dangerous job. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you know what I like? You know, what I, I like this idea that have have either of you seen Unforgiven? Mm, no, no. Okay. What's that? It's it's a great deconstruction of the Western genre. And it's what it also is, it, it kind of peels back the layers of what it means to be like a gunfighter in the Wild West and how the the perception and the reality are completely different of like what they do and who they actually are. And I like that idea that that's what we're kind of dealing with here is that, yeah, the individuals have this great mythology and they have this like crazy thing in the but then like when you actually meet them they're like oh these people are just like kind of crazy a little and they're like kind of a mess personally you know we're trying to pluck now characters from these two now that we understand their relationship to society Mm -hmm. right so so, i mean now that we have a better understanding let's talk about the time eaters right like why are they shunned like what about them is like so sinister and so you know, counterculture that they're, they're shunned from the rest of the world. Yeah. I think it's that the way that they use their power is probably very self-serving and that could again, tie back into the whole, like wanting to hold on to your childhood or your youth too much. Like they're obsessed with like 
maybe keeping things as they are or keeping them as they remember them to be and using that power to like extend their own lives. So how do we, as I'm going to step in for Daniel here. So how do we make that literal? How do we make that mm-hmm. physical in the world that we've created so far? Well, if they're um, varieties of Mario like beings, what do these guys <laughs> look like? You know, what would reflect the way they are? Oh uh, yeah. Um, or are they, are they like the Mario like beings, but they're changed in some way? Yeah, I did. When I was picturing them as like people, I had them in mind as like more Rasputin-y types, like very occult-y and... Um, Stinky? Stands. Do they stink? Yeah, maybe, probably, yeah, don't don't um, adhere to societal standards for grooming and and that sort of thing. I mean, they could they could have a stench that has something to do with their powers. Yeah. If you want. Like the odor of time itself is kind of right. stuck on them. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I actually, I think that the odor of time is kind of fun. Um, but if we're dealing with like plant life, if we're making all of these plant creatures, then why not just make them garlic? Oh. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or some variations of sneaky plants like that, you know? Mm, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think like, you, just, you can personify these things in a way like mm. that. Like that would be fine. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, I don't know what you imagine, what are the physical qualities of, like, the sun chasers, you know? I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture now, like, a Wild West character. Well, uh, again, in my mind, they're riding motorcycles, so... So a Mad Max kind of character. Mad Max-style, like, leather jacket. Not, like, black leather jacket, but, like, brown leather duster style of leather jacket. So what's the cool plant, then, in the <laughs> plant world? Um, are they flowers like well that might make sense considering that there are sunflowers uh-huh because uh, they are taking the sun yeah, you know yeah <laughs> and are they is their coolness expressed because they're so colorful even though that's not like a bad guy cool or a bad boy cool but it could be in the setting you know <laughs> like say like in, the, in japan like you know men and movie stars are actually flashier right so maybe that's it's parallel to that Hmm. yeah like they absorb more of the sun's rays than most people because they're carrying around like bottles of sunlight and that in turn makes them more colorful uh can we go in the opposite direction so maybe everyone else is really colorful but they're actually like bleached in some way because their exposure to the Uh, sun so they're they're basically like bleach blonde all the time oh that's Mm -hmm. that's fun Mm -hmm. yeah and again, I'm thinking like slick back hair, but it'd be like flower petals, I guess. <laughs> nice. You know? Yeah. And then conversely, the um, the time eaters could be like kind of old, dried out garlic and onions and stuff like that. And like cold. Crinkly. Yeah. yeah. I, I do like the idea that there are root vegetables as mm-hmm. well, because mm-hmm. you get like underground, like they're literally Darkness. underground. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what's the conflict? We're we're talking about aesthetic here, which I love. Like, I think this is super fun. But I mean, maybe we should roll some dice to kind of give us at least a genre or at least a, a theme to kind of roll for. Yeah, I'm down for that. Okay, so we're focusing on a theme here. We've got a conflict set up between the time eaters and the sun chasers. The theme that we rolled is treachery. So how do we hmm. make this important and exciting within the setting? Obviously, I think that 
one person or a group of people is going from one team to the other. Mm -hmm. What does that look like and what are the implications? My feeling is that there is higher ups on both groups. So within the time people and the sun people that are either colluding for some kind of um, either cataclysmic or dangerous thing that could pose a threat to society in general for some reason that they perceive as good. And the lower level characters in each of these factions become aware of it and are forced to work together. I particularly like that because it does give a real credence to this idea of like the renegade style or like there's that kind of um, rebelliousness that comes with mm. coming of age and stuff like that. So I think that mm -hmm. does work thematically as well. Like the adults are doing something that is a problem and we have to finally make a decision, make a grown up decision for ourselves. Oh, Ooh, making maybe, the grown up decision. Yes. Yeah. Maybe it's not that they're going towards the cataclysm, but that they're keeping things as they are. Oh. Like they, they want this tension to remain so that they both have roles. They don't want to have to make the call about which way to go. I love that. I love the idea that they're in cahoots the entire time. Mm -hmm. And like this whole, this whole ballet is like a charade to keep the natural progression from happening. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it, I mean, it could be, they may not even be nefarious. Like sometimes uh, grownups just, they, they have had so much gravity in their lives, right. That they can't make any more changes. Like, they've become contented and they're afraid of making change. Whereas yeah. the young don't see things that way. They see things as changeable because they haven't experienced all these problems. So maybe that's part of what it is. Like these younger characters mm -hmm. are looking at what they're doing and they're like, we can change this. We can fix this. And the others have given up. You know? I, like that I would love, I love that by the way, I, I don't mm -hmm. want to skip mm -hmm. over that, but the entire time I'm just thinking, you know, who's really at fault here. It's the sun. The sun is the one who's keeping things in stasis because it knows once those apocalypse engines get to the center, that it's time as the sun is over. It's the time to mature. It's the time to change. But isn't the sun a child? Like, I feel like it would have, I feel like I want to keep it innocent in some way. You know what I mean? I mean, it could be like a, a childlike innocence of not wanting to grow up. Is it? Oh, that could work. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't know. It does. It, it, Got it, you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It could also be the fact that it's like the golden child, essentially, and it even oh, though it wants it? friends, it still likes the attention and the worship that oh. it gets. I, I like being an only child. That's yeah. what it's like. Okay. So a combination of the two. Because I, I like the idea that it's kind of ignorant to the fact. Mm -hmm. So like that that would work because then it's still childlike. And it still has impulses, right? I just don't want it to yeah. be evil or nefarious. No, I, I think it's like another layer of like how the god being was a child and didn't realize what it was doing by casting off these discards and now the sun is kind of in a similar spot where it doesn't realize that the actions it's taking have all these implications oh ooh, okay okay hold on hold on uh so when the sun rises and it emits its things it's actively trying to cast off its adulthood so the fact that you control time and gravity with the power that you gain from the sun, like it's actively rejecting that. So like thematically it even makes sense. Oh, I, think. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's trying to get rid of those things that are innate to it. The things that would make it grow up and mature yeah. and become new mm -hmm. and different. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this sounds great. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would bring the conflict to a head. Um, I mean, it would definitely have to be like 
one or two people from the factions grouping up together to um maybe i guess talk to the sun and kind of convince it that it needs to grow up and it can't keep holding on to its youth forever do they do this by harnessing the power of an apocalypse engine and riding it like Ooh. a giant mecha slash yes. like zoid? <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> okay. We also have to factor in the things at the edge, right? Like, so there has to be some kind of resolution with those creatures too, because they need they need to wake up, right? Didn't we yeah. just establish that? And they need to um, there needs to be a reconciliation between them and the sun. Yeah, it could be like once the sun accepts that it needs to grow up, it's like. I don't know, it allows the the cast-offs to also to sort of come to terms with what was done to them and kind of recover from that. Mm. I mean, we also don't have to solve the whole story. Yeah, you know, yeah. This can be much smaller. I think our move generally is to try and do that, but sometimes if we're dealing with little characters, we can solve a smaller problem first. Yeah, because I, I'm just thinking of this like from the big perspective that's like, yeah, the end of this entire setting slash series is a time eater and a sun chaser piloting one of the cast offs and like crashing it into the sun as like a rude awakening type thing. But that's like the action movie ending. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree with Daniel. Right. I think like focusing on a smaller issue Oh, oh, maybe maybe the smaller issue that we can kind of deal with is like figuring out a way to control one of the cast offs in, in, in a more mm-hmm. direct way. Yeah. Or giving if that could be the thing that wakes up the parents that makes them realize things are not unchangeable. You know, so the two leaders of the factions, you know, to get people all on board to make a big change. Yeah. And in that story, you could learn that the son actually. Uh, is alive and is and mm-hmm. is yearning to be with friends, but it is part of this whole problem and what the what the frozen people really are. So at least you're solving those things, giving awareness, and you're you're getting the story moving forward without having to solve the whole setting. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. I like that. How, how do we do that? I mean, I like what you said in terms of trying to control one of the machines. Like maybe they, for whatever reason, like that's that's the solution they come up with. But then in doing that, they can hear what those machines say because. The magic is all connected, right? And so they mm-hmm. learn some things that then if if the adults knew would change the whole situation. Yeah, it could be using like the the captured sunlight to sort of awaken the memories in this uh, oh, machine yeah. creature thing and using maybe the time dilation or time control to like almost help the thing relive those experiences mm. or, or do something to that effect. It's like a form of therapy, basically. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. can, can we drive this? Because Daniel keeps referring to them as parents and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Can we, really, can we really drive a stake through this metaphor? Can we make it so the younger you are, or perhaps like when you reach a certain age, that's when you're at your most potent for magic use. Mm-hmm. So the people who are in the field, whether they be sun chasers or time eaters, like they're very young. Like this is suddenly a YA novel, you know? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I... Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, great. And and then of course, because we have that, then we can add in all the feelings and the romance and stuff like that too. <laughs> when you have a Romeo and Juliet style thing with the Sun Chasers and the Time Eaters, mm-hmm. and their own coming of age and all that that brings with it's them. it's layered. It's it's it's, it's yeah. layered like an onion, <laughs> like a Time Eater onion. Exactly. Exactly. Exact. All right. 
I feel like that's a great place to like yeah, kind of cool yeah. it with it. Cause I feel like any more and we're really just drilling debt. Like we it's, I feel like we've struck gold. We don't need to go mm-hmm. any further, you know? Yeah. I love this. Great. All right. Well, with all that, uh, I just want to thank Matt and again for suggesting this prompt and, uh, coming along on this journey with us as we build this setting because oh boy it was it it took a wild ride let me tell you Mm -hmm. of course if you want us to build your world you can always go to our website worldbuildwithus.com click on the link follow the instructions and within a reasonable amount of time we'll be building your world and having our own buildings roman at the same time i mean I, i the more that i think about it each setting is basically a coming of age Every age all at once. (laughs) Anyway, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build. If you want to come join us on Discord, you can find a link for that in the description. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous and want to give us money over on Patreon, click on the link in the description where you'll find stuff like, you know, patron-only episodes, early episodes, and a sweet little Discord area that you can come chat with us. That'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together. Until next week.